Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. And I'm a very tired Simon. But still, the Simon. The, the Simon, yeah. yeah. Indeed, indeed. We're knee-deep in tech, and this is episode 51, coming yeah. to you, or it was recorded <laughs> on, not necessarily coming to you on, but it recorded on the 12th of October 2018. That was almost the opposite to recording live. That might just very well be the case. Yeah. However... I think we should start. We actually have a listener request. We do. Yeah. From uh, Mr. Christopher Carlson, uh, one of our listeners that prior to Ignite tried to get our uh, honored guest, The Finn, to uh, tell us that he wanted a review of the Ignite backpack. Okay. So, what do we think about the backpack? Well, about that, here's the thing. My wife decided to go visit a friend in Barcelona the other week. Oh. And she took one look at that bag and said, I'm going to take this to Barcelona. And this is the woman that goes completely bananas whenever I bring home yet another bag. Yeah. I, I kind of had two restrictions. One, if I ever bring home one more water bottle... <laughs> I'll be faced with a divorce. Yep. It was kind of the same thing with bags as well. This bag she found to be so awesome that she kind of decided that it was her, yep. hers. And so, so my opinion is that it is, it's actually an awesome bag. I'm very, very, very happy with it. Yeah. And I put it probably to the maximum limit you can use it during Ignite since I carry around all our recording equipment and also... A fair amount amount of uh, swag. You did indeed. So I'm, I, I'm kind of impressed that you actually were was standing up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I had two, not one, tripod uh, fastened to to the underside of the bag. Yep. Uh, and also, it was absolutely packed with stuff. And the only, it's it's an amazing bag. The two only downsides of it, and these are minor downsides, mm-hmm. would be the top handle. Slightly too weak, yep. correct? Uh, not at all at pair with the rest of the bag. No, and if, not, not padded at all. No. And also the straps to the bottom of the bag, which wasn't able to um, withstand the weight of the tripods. Yeah, not so much the straps themselves, but the, yep. the locking mechanism. The locking mechanism. True, true. Uh, but again, it's probably way heavier than what those straps were intended for. Yeah. But other than that, it feels high quality. It looks high quality. All the different pockets and things are just amazing. Um, very pleased. Definitely very pleased. And it is is kind of discreet as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you chose the black one or the charcoal. No, 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 no. The charcoal. Yeah. And I had a slate or a gray one. Or a gray one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's our review. I would say this is the best bag since the TechEd bag of 2013 must have been the last TechEd my first TechEd and the last TechEd cool well I I used to get bags from past summit but they were not that good no and again this this is by far the best bag that I've ever been given yeah and I I'm kind of a bag connoisseur yeah and you worked so hard not to bring home another water bottle. 
Yeah, I did. But and still. how many coffee cups did your mugs did you bring home? Uh, four. Four. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, they're not per coffee cups per se. They are more of coffee tubs. Yeah. You can easily bathe a small animal in them because they were huge. Yeah. But again, I mean, it, it was both NASA stuff. It was uh, Falcon 9 stuff. Uh, a Decepticon mug. I'm terribly sorry that I actually... I, I chose between the Autobot and the Decepticon and I had to follow my heart. And the Decepticon stuff were really good looking. I know. Yeah. Uh, so has anything happened this week? <laughs> to be fair, I have been away. I've been yeah. to the UK for Data Relay, uh, formerly known as the SQL Relay, which is a completely bonkers idea. <laughs> of taking a whole free conference, putting it on a bus and moving between five cities in the UK. I only joined this circus for two days. That would be Birmingham on Wednesday and Reading on Thursday. But basically we came in in the morning, we put everything in order, sponsor um, uh, site, the whole um, uh, sponsor area, fixed everything for the different sessions and then came the attendees yep and as soon as they left we tore it all down threw it on a bus and traveled for two and a half three hours to the next city so tired as heck and i cannot even begin to fathom how tired my my other friends are who actually <laughs> stayed on for the whole five days uh, but it was an amazing experience. Very, very, uh, very fun to do. Yep. Yep. Great. What have you been doing this week? I've been doing a course, or I've been uh, teaching a course in Advanced Windows 10 Troubleshooting. Oh, in right. Um, good course. Um, great attendees. We had, a, we had a blast, and I absolutely love Gothenburg. Mm -hmm. I've also been preparing for our upcoming weeks and upcoming travels. I'll be in Dublin next week for the cloud camp. I'll and then we'll be at Tech Days and MCT Summit to be after. Yes, next week I'll be going to Ghent yep. to Data Mines and then immediately to Tech UG Leeds. Yep. So we have plenty to do in the coming Yeah, weeks. we're on the road. So what about this week? What's new in Power BI? Oh you know, I don't know, because Power BI, the October release, has not been dropped yet. It is very, very soon, I'd yep. say. But I have some insights into what's probably going to be there. And hopefully we are going to see the new Power BI data flows go public preview. It is one of the most exciting features I've seen in years and years. Yeah, we, we had that discussion during lunch in regards to what it is, and you were excited. fairly excited. Yeah. And I, while I could talk about that for a couple of days, I would recommend you all to go and watch the sessions from Ignite. Yep. Because the Power BI product team has some very, very good sessions, as do the Microsoft Mechanics. Um, awesome sessions showing what it is, how to use it. But suffice to say, it is definitely 
maybe not the final piece of the puzzle, but one of the main pieces of the puzzle for true self-service BI that is that is not going to just become a holy mess for administrators to keep track of. But we have received a new home experience. Oh, the Power BI homepage for PowerBI.com is completely redesigned. It is now going to adapt itself. Uh, the issue previously has been, if, if you were part of many workspaces and had a lot of content, it was just a mess to keep track of everything. So this one will adapt depending on what kind of content you use. You can favorite stuff and it shows up um, much easier. So in, in general, just a much more streamlined and slick user interface. Cool. Oh yeah. And of course, we're going to see even more stuff. The Azure team has taken a page from the Power BI team. So the Azure team will be producing blog posts with the new features they put out every month in Azure. Oh, that, that will be some blog posts. Well, it's, it's kind of big as it is. Did you see that they have redesigned the portal? Yeah, I saw parts of it. Yeah, so new, um, new, uh, new colors, slightly different um, UI. And again, everything is going to look so sleek. Yeah. And uh, I had a, the pleasure of uh, doing a, couple, uh, a focus session with the Azure Portal design group during oh, really? Unites. Um, and what they have planned, that's just awesome. Nice. And uh, it was, I, I do enjoy those focus groups. So if you are... If, if you get an invite for any focus group, you ask the listener, um, sign up for it. It's a great way to interact with the product groups and they really appreciate it. Yeah, I was part of the Microsoft 365 focus group that you were yeah, in, also... Yeah, in Tech Summit. In Tech Summit. At, at Tech Summit in Stockholm, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> last year. Last year? No, this, this year, year, this spring. Oh, this, this spring, yes. Time flies. It does. In the opposite direction. And I have almost no clue about Microsoft 365, but it was an amazing discussion. Yep. I learned a ton. I think they enjoyed having the um, perspective of someone who did not know very much about Power BI, uh, sorry, um, Microsoft 365. Yep. Good, so should we move on? Should we take the Let's big... go with the elephant in the room, shall we? So the positive elephant or the negative elephant? Let's go with the negative elephant. Yep. So Turn positive. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you, you, you'll get that twist later on. Um, last episode, we spoke about the Windows 10 October 2018 update being released. And I don't even remember if we had the time to publish that podcast prior to that release being paused, as the official statement said. A.K.A. pulled. That depends on which journalists you ask. <laughs> Revoked has been one of the words as well. Yeah. Uh, stopped. Removed. Anyways, gone. gone. Anyway, Microsoft received reports on users updating or seekers as the unofficial word for people pressing the update Windows Now button um, would be. Mm-hmm. And some of the users that were updating to 1809 
lost files in especially their documents folder yep. during the update. Yep. Uh, and apparently it according to Microsoft is a very 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 small group of users but since it's actually data loss they decided to to withdraw the release yep and the they now come to a conclusion of why this happened and it has to do with known folder redirection I won't go into detail on that but you'll see uh, the blog post in our show notes so basically it's because of one setting in the registry but the big question that everyone's asking now is how could this bug actually end up in the actual release? Yeah. And to me, it, it makes a bit of sense. Asking the question or that the bug is there? Uh, asking the question. Okay. Uh, or the reason for it not being discovered mm -hmm is in regards to how Feedback Hub works. This has been reported in the Feedback Hub for the Windows Insider program at several locations in several builds. Okay. But since feedback is mostly, or feature requests, bug fixes, and so on, are mostly based on the upvoted items, this never surfaced. Oh, my. And I've listened to a number of blog uh, podcasts, read a bunch of blog posts and people are furious. How can Microsoft miss things like this? And mm -hmm. they are saying that, yeah, you have all this powerful AI stuff. Can't you surface things that are this important? But it wouldn't matter, in my opinion, and, and you as the data guy can give your view on it, but you need to train that AI in some way. And it it isn't. It's not entirely possible that even an AI would have seen this in the vast amount no. of feedback. No, no. Um, again, you could have probably have some triggers if you have the word data loss or whatever. Yep. Yeah, sure. But it also depends on what kind of configurations do people run. Is this really, when you look at it from a Windows Insider point of view, is this limited to a very few a very low amount of users. So I, I get how it could be missed. It's a shame that it was missed. Uh, and they now introduced a severity switch when you put in a new feedback item in I the feedback hub. just about to say that you yeah. might want to add something like that. Yeah. But again, it, it won't necessarily solve it. Since if you put in one feedback item with a high severity, Will that be surfaced regardless of what? And will it then be just disappear in the vast amount of other feedback that people will put as a severe uh, yep. feedback item? Yep. I mean, th this is the, the classic issue of support requests. Yep. It's the exact same mechanism. How do you sort out the, the important stuff from the chaff? Yeah, so it, it's in no way okay it's really, really bad, both f from a Microsoft perspective, from a, the people that actually lost the data perspective, but also for the... Um, credibility? Yeah, credibility of the Windows Insider program. Yeah. Uh, and we have had two fairly good rollouts for the previous versions of Windows, and this was not what Microsoft needed uh, at this point, as I see it. It's, it's, it's a shame. 
but again they withdraw the update they are working to get all those files back and they've invested in creating um, a more advanced feedback hub function yeah so the, the the question that i ask myself is how many bugs like this has the insider program actually caught yeah and probably a, a bunch of them and then that's the problem there is we can probably never know no so yeah. we never we will never know kind of how how much the insider has caught and not but again it, it sucks when it happens but i think this is kind of the game as it is yeah and you can always look at it from any way or direction or view you like those these things did happen prior as well just not as focused as it is now when everyone receives the exact same update simultaneously um we had bugs in the general windows patches previously as well we wait had... what have we had bugs in the windows patches so i've heard oh but you've never seen one right i haven't seen an actual windows bug no okay i would like to see them <laughs> Yeah, but again, I mean, this is going to me mean some soul searching because yep. they're going to see what can we do to keep this from happening in the future. Yep. And I think you're you're on the right track. There is no such thing as eradicating this issue. Yep. We're going to see the same kind of issues going forward, but everything that improves the workflow is for the good. Yeah, and this also puts focus on that even though you should do less proactive testing when rolling out the new Windows 10 release than previously, or any Windows release, you still need to test it in your own environment first as well. You do. Yeah. And it is shame on you if you don't have a backup. Yep. Definitely. Would the um, ah, what's the what's it called? Um, kind of snapshot feature in uh, in Windows. What's it called? Where you can roll back to previous versions in Windows? No, not necessarily. Uh, you can always revert to, or if you have left the settings as default, you can always revert back to a previous version. All right. But it could be that Windows decides that you have deleted oh, the files. Oh, right. At that point, it won't regenerate them. It, it doesn't go back in time in that perspective. Yeah, Since only you could the... have been doing some work in the new yeah. release, yeah. which you yeah. will. I hear to, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was the bad thing. Yeah. So on the flip side, I've heard that Microsoft just gave away all their patents. How awesome is that? <laughs> Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on if you want Microsoft to actually keep existing as a company, that is not necessarily the truth. So could you explain a bit about what happened this week when, and this is a CDNet article. It is a CDNet article. Microsoft open sources its patent portfolio. Pretty much. The Open Patent Initiative is a group of companies that has pledged to share their uh, patents between them, basically. So any one member can use any of the uh, patents that are included in this um, open initiative. Open Invention Network. Open Invention Network, correct. 
So that's kind of a big thing because Microsoft does hold one or two patents. 60,000 of them, according to this article. And, and I, with 30,000 more patents pending. I was just about to say that I don't think that it is the whole uh, patent portfolio, but I might actually yep. be wrong. Update. Microsoft clarified that it has licensed its entire patent portfolio to OIN licensees covering the Linux system. Yes, Microsoft has 90,000 total patents and the OIN covers only 60,000. But that's 90,000 total patent includes those that are pending. Patents that have not been issued cannot be asserted and basically do not exist yet from a legal perspective. Uh, All those other patents are approved. uh, As those other patents are approved, Microsoft will license those as well. That is how the OIN license work. Cool. So that's awesome. Yep. Again, they're sharing, they're open, and they are pushing innovation. Yeah, definitely. And um, they've spoken to Scott Guthrie. They've spoken to a number of um, um, other Microsoft uh, senior leaders. Yep. And this is this is the route route ahead. Microsoft wants to be a part of the open source community and do not want to hinder other operating systems from existing. Because looking at it, everyone are free to choose what they want to run. And some operating systems are better at some things than others. Yeah, I I saw a Twitter thread the other day that basically said that be aware that this is the first step in the Microsoft's way of embrace, extend, extinguish, as they did with Linux the other time around. And I think it was Scott Hanselman that said, no, no, that's that's not the case. Microsoft is not out to extinguish anything. and. I can only speak for myself, but I think that's kind of the truth. And yep. again, Hanselman is a bit of like the uh, cannery in the mine, the coal mine, because he's he's going to be the first one to leave or die, if that's the case, if Microsoft decides to go somewhere else. Now, Microsoft can change their stance. That's yep. what happens from time to time in a company. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight, and I don't think personally it's going to happen as long as Satya is at the helm nope. and as I see it they, they can only be stronger together looking at it we, we saw some numbers during Ignite that more than 50% of all Azure VMs are actually Linux based Yes. Um, so Linux is hugely important to Microsoft and open source is hugely important to Microsoft and to the IT industry as is we get so many great inventions and solutions from the open source community uh, and we are much stronger if we work together sure. looking at ai quantum computing data whatever it sure i just look at the data lake yep. which is actually a hadoop with some microsoft secret sauce on top and yep. not so secret because yep. it's open source sure yep. so it's great news um very unexpected i must admit though yes and that's what makes it even more cool. This is not something that someone decided to to push them to do. No. Nope. And 
again, if, if we go back to the, the keynote at Ignite, where uh, Satya had the uh, CEOs for Adobe and uh, SAP on stage, yep. talking about a common model for business entities, everything is moving towards let's do things together because together we can do way more awesome stuff than we can do on our own. Yep. Right? So I need to ask, has there been any more Config Manager stuff? Of course, but this is actually old news now. Oh. Uh, since the last technical preview or the latest technical preview of Config Manager were released nine days ago. So on oh the 3rd my. of October. But we didn't have time to squeeze it in the last time. Yep. Uh, there are a bunch of small improvements to client installations, uh, some new dashboards and so on. Um, what I really like is new client notification action to wake up a device. Okay. So now we can wake up clients from the Config Manager console, even if the client isn't on the same subnet as the site server. That's interesting. Because that so, yeah. means, because they do multicast, right? What, what kind of... of mechanism do they use to talk to the clients? Unicast or multicast? It depends. Most of organizations use unicast. Okay. But you can configure at least part of Config Manager for multicast as well. All right. Um, so this works in the way that if you send a client notification to a client, it will search for another client that are awake on that subnet mm -hmm. and then you can send awake on lawn request a magic package oh so you kind of just bounce over but if you can't find another host on the same subnet you're dead in the water right yeah okay you need to have someone there um if you haven't configured your network accordingly to allow magic package to uh, propagate yeah. through subnets yeah. correct yeah. but that that's a very clever way of doing it yeah and it actually says here, at least one client in target subnet must be awake. Yeah. Reasonable. And you need to manually enable wake on LAN, of course. Sure. And it doesn't support IPv6 or 802.1x network authentication. Oh. Okay. And that's something we should discuss in an upcoming episode, the future and the importance of network configuration from a modern workplace yeah. view. Not only the modern workplace view, we can easily turn it into, let's do a whole discussion on networking. And I know exactly who we're going to be roping in for that one. <laughs> Sounds great. Yep. Uh, also have a new management insight dashboard. That's actually quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Since um, management insights gives you data on how well your config manager environment works yep. and is configured you can actually gain a lot of knowledge and insight into your collection structures for example and we also have a new documentation node in the community workspace okay so we can actually get community reports community um additions to Config Manager straight into the console. So configuration items and so on that the community have created can now be presented to you in the Config Manager console. Nice. Yep. You know, the whole thing with commenting and discussing 
parts of whatever you're working. The same thing is coming. It is not out yet and it is not under NDA because it was shown at Ignite. We are soon to be able to comment on visualizations and reports and dashboards in, in Power BI. Yeah. And it is connected as, as soon as you write, for instance, Simon, take a look at this, you're gonna get a mail. Yeah. So it's instantaneous, or you can have a, um, a Teams conversation about it or whatever. So you're inside of Power BI, you're going to see a whole discussion. And how cool is that? That's cool. That's all about collaboration and working with your data. And I have one more thing that we need to mention. Okay. Um, October is also Hacktober. It is indeed. Yeah. So currently, Microsoft have an initiative where you can participate in Hacktober. Mm -hmm. or in Hacktoberfest, as they put it. And Microsoft will send a specially special edition t-shirt designed by one of the cloud developer advocates to everyone that opens a pull request in any Microsoft repository between October 1st and October 31st. Nice. So if you do your first or 100th pull request to a Microsoft repository, you will get a t-shirt. You know, you, you remember that I told you about the water bottles and bags. Yep. I think that extends to t-shirts in my case, so I might not be doing it's this. It's a limited edition t-shirt. And to be like, and some of our listeners will say, yeah, well, I'm not a developer, but you have PowerShell repositories in GitHub as well. Sure. Yep. Just look at the DBA tools. Yep. They are not, I, it needs to be an, an, an a Microsoft repository. Shoot. But for example, the uh, PowerShell commandlets for Intune, they are in GitHub. So there you can you improve the actual commandlets for Intune nice. at GitHub. And remember that Microsoft Docs is That's now also true. a part That's of GitHub. That's true. So go update the documentation. Yep. Just if you fix a typo, you're good yep. to go. Yep. So basically, if you fix a typo, you get a t-shirt. Yep. And... Uh, you had one more thing you said. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's a great opportunity to learn GitHub. I'm working on it uh, and how GitHub works. You're working I'm, on how GitHub works. I'm working on learning how GitHub works. Okay, so I think the name of this episode is working on it. Working on working on it. Working on working on it. Working on working on how it works. And while I'm very happy for you, I think it is definitely time to end this episode. Definitely. Yes. We'll see if we find the time to do an episode next week. Yes, since we, we are traveling. We are both going to be traveling on different places. But we have a very, very nice interview with Michael Bender coming up. Yep. That we recorded at Ignite. So we might just release that. Yep. And until next time, thank you very much for listening and have a great one. Bye. Bye.